Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode 39 of Marvel Cast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans for fans. Each week, we'll discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by reviews and discussion of the latest release content in this ever expanding multiverse. I'm your host, JG, and join with me today is my co host, Steve. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm great. I'm hoping we don't have another two hour episode like last week, but I uh, am very excited because, you know, we had a month off after Miss Marvel. Well, um, but we are back running full steam ahead for the next nine weeks. I'm excited to talk She-Hulk with you later today, too. Yeah, it is going to be crazy. So uh, you'll definitely be seeing that the podcast is coming up on a new day, Friday mornings. Uh, that's because, you know, She-Hulk's now on Thursdays. It gives us a chance to talk about it. Um, so thanks for the flexibility with that. What uh, do you think? Do you think um, future shows will stay on Thursday? Will Marvel keep Thursday? Star Wars keep Wednesday? What do you think is going to happen? I think it's going to really depend. I think they're going to look at the numbers, see what goes on with She-Hulk coming on at the same time, and or if Bad Batch or Tales of the Jedi also comes up. They're going to look at the numbers, and they're going to see, I think they're going to see that none of their numbers dip. If that is the case, then they're going to keep it where each franchise has their own quote-unquote day. Do you think, so we won't get an announcement at Disney, at the Disney Plus day, because that'll be before Andor, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't I don't even no. think that they'll make any like maybe official announcement. Maybe we'll hear something in a news or like, someone say something to an interview or something. But mm-hmm. I think maybe early early January, February, maybe next year we'll hear that like, oh, they're gonna keep like maybe the next show we'll find out is like one hundred percent gonna be on a Thursday. And I don't think Kevin Feige has any say in this. I think that's all, you know, Disney corporate behind the scenes, right? I, I think it's all about that. I think it's mostly the marketing and, and the higher ups that be. Okay. I mean, Kevin Feige might get to say something, like maybe he like has a preference or some sort of say, but at the end of the day, it, it's whatever they could do to bring in the most amount of people to watch it. And by it putting... is interesting. Sorry, it is interesting that they, you know, they've always had kind of a, well, I guess recently have had a no Friday release because they don't want to compete with the Disney movies. But you know, you and I, if tonight there was a new Marvel movie or a Disney movie or a Star Wars movie, we'd be at the theater tonight. Yeah, we watched it this morning, but. If you're trying to compete, I mean, Thursday is also a big day. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We've also haven't had two. Actually, I take that back. I, there has been quite a few shows that have um, crossed paths with movies as well. Because we've had um, the most recent being Thor. in Miss Marvel. Yeah. Hawkeye and... was coming out with Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, and then right before. Yeah. So... And I mean, like a lot of these. Yeah. I mean, the Disney Plus shows have not been like super like you know they're not crossing over with the film like story-wise and i think because that way if they need to adjust the release schedule they can yeah it could definitely could be very something similar to like what they did with mandalorian season one where they released because they were they were doing like if i remember correctly fridays but then they released the final episode or like one of the final episodes right before the release of the rise of skywalker it came out on a wednesday right before you know, did you, how much of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did you watch? Like a few of the first episodes of oh, the first season. You know, I have to give them credit. You know, it was a fun show. It was like seven seasons, but some of the best moments were um, they had an episode that basically came out 
on, I think it was Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So it was like a day or two before Winter Soldier in season one that talked about the Lumian Star, which was that um, station that Cap and Nat went at the beginning of that movie. Okay. So they mentioned that. And then, you know, with Cap Winter Soldier coming out on that Thursday night, saw it. Then the next week on Tuesday or Wednesday, just less than a week later, we saw Hydra all, or take over S.H.I.E.L.D. like concurrently with the movie, like it cr mm. crossed over perfectly. Um, and then they did the same thing in season two. And it was revealed that um, the main agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who were all like undercover and everyone thought Phil Coulson was dead, um, got the scepter of Loki to Maria Hill so she can get it to the Avengers at the start of Age of Ultron. So like that was the cool thing, like the way that they had to plan and schedule an ABC show, you know, that you yeah. know, who knows what could happen on like broadcast. But they had to make sure that those episodes aired either directly before or directly after to not spoil anything. Yeah, and I think we're going to see some of that more come into play as we're going to start to see kind of as we exit the COVID era. We're going to start to see them be able to kind of nail things down with a little bit more concrete and not have as much uncertainty. Um, I think the biggest possibility is going to be coming up here with uh, Secret Evasion and the Marvels. I think that's going to be the most potential at the moment to have the actual direct literal, you know, crossover. Yeah, I agree. That's why it's being called that crossover event for sure. For sure. And we do have just, a, just a little bit of news, you know, after Comic-Con, it's definitely quieted down a bit and it's probably not going to get too crazy until we get up until, uh, the D 23 and Disney plus day. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Steven just, uh, Leading up to there, we got a few weeks. Uh, anything that you're just holding out up hope for? Any early, too early predictions? Um, I would love to see the Fantastic Forecast come out on stage, like we talked about last week. Like you had brought up that good point of maybe they'll pop up in Ant Man, which is coming sooner rather than later. So that's a hope of mine. And I'd also like to see, you know, between Disney Plus Day and D23, the rest of that, um, you know, Phase Six timeline filled in, or if anything else pops up in Phase Five. Um, I, I know, I think it's, you know, they did say that the star Wars and Marvel panel on D 23 day on September 10th, that Saturday is together. So I'm wondering, like, I can't remember, is it an hour and a half, two hours? I don't remember how long the panel is, but like what percent is going to be star Wars? What percent is going to be allocated to Marvel? What do you think? Uh, it's gonna be interesting. I think. I think they'll have probably roughly, well, no, actually I'm going to say Marvel has more because let's be real Lucasfilm. They definitely have a lot to talk about, but even though they have a lot to talk about, they're not going to talk a lot because uh, Lucasfilm just doesn't um, for whatever reason. I, I think Lucasfilm has got to say something about next year uh, because uh, they had recently just sent out the schedule for what's upcoming up. They still got Rogue Squadron for, tw for December next year. And um, not to be a pessimist, but I don't think that's happening. Um, I just I don't see how on earth that movie is ready by then. So I think Marvel, even though Marvel has already has announced so much content, um, I think they have more structure and more of a plan ready to announce things. I think we're going to get those gaps filled in. Um, we're not going to hear about anything about Spider-Man, um, but we'll get some of those gaps filled in. Maybe some, maybe a tease of X-Men news, but I don't, I don't think we're going to get full X-Men. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I definitely think Disney Plus Day is hopefully going to give us more of the Disney Plus side, and then D23 more of the movie side. 
That would make a lot of sense. I will say, and it's not something that we're talking about, but they are going to be live streaming the first ever uh, Disney games slash Marvel games panel uh, from D23. And so I think that's really interesting because I think in the future you could possibly see some um, Star Wars game. Oh, actually, Star Wars is going to have a little bit of a presence. Lego Star Wars is. But I think it's pretty cool that Marvel is. And I think, you know, as a Marvel podcast, it's something we're going to keep an eye on for sure. JG, would you predict you know, at this panel or, you know, um, any predictions on an MCU video game? Like, do you see them making a video game set in the 616 or the multiverse? Or do you think they're going to keep their video games like on their own side, like the Spider-Man Avengers games over there? Ooh, that's interesting. A- an actual proper MCU like canon, um, kind of like what Star Wars has done with Jedi Fallen Order. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to say no, because I think they enjoy the freedom of giving the creatives um, the freedom to do what they want to do. Um, and they don't have to stay to the rules. I think, you know, the Insomniac creators of the Spider-Man universe and what they're doing over there, they've talked about how they could take inspiration from the comics and from the movies, but it's their own story. It's their own universe. I think they're going to keep it that way. You know, we do have like also the, uh midnight suns game that's supposed to be coming out next year now it's now that it's been delayed um there's also the wolverine game that's in the same universe as the spider-man games so that little insomniac bubble of spider-man and wolverine that could be turning into like a video game mcu type world so i just know how like big video games are and like how much money they make like i wonder like I don't think they'd ever do it, but like, could you imagine like taking a character again? I don't know who they would pick that hasn't already been announced or whatever, but and doing like their origin story through the video game, and then they pop up in the TV shows or the movies, and you're like, oh, I already know their story because I played it. Like, that would be so cool to take on that role. But I don't. Yeah, I I think it has a better chance of working with Star Wars and Cal Kestis because like, like you and I have played Fallen Order, um, and we've all you know, of course, made slightly different changes and variations to our lightsaber, but we played the same basic story. Like they keep you in perimeters. And it's not open world per se, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we might have played things a little bit differently, gone to different storylines, different times, but we still got the same story and the same end game, you know what I mean? Definitely. And I think also the problem is, is that Marvel, I would say Marvel there at this point, is a little bit more mainstream and popular than Star Wars is at the moment. And so I think it'd be really hard to expect all of the view, all of the MCU viewers to have, to stay current with the canon um it, people already have it hard enough keeping up with all the shows and such how can you expect for them to play a video game um obviously there's gonna be the completionists like you and i people who even if they suck at video games they're gonna play it but it's going to alienate a a lot a large portion of the audience and the marvel franchise mcu is very much trying to keep as many people and bring in as many people star wars yes they're bringing in new people always but star wars knows who their who their audience is yeah that's a good point but yes so we don't have a lot of news but we do have a little bit to talk about uh so interesting enough it came out this week that kevin feige um made the doctor strange 2 crew watch one episode of what if specifically the doctor strange lost his heart instead of his hands episode um you know you and i have talked about how um what if while maybe it didn't hit every episode and maybe not a lot of people were watching it it still had a ton of great content and this episode was one of them so what are your thoughts about this almost being homework for the crew 
first of all, yeah, this was a great episode. It was one probably one of the standout ones. Um, and we were all kind of hoping, like you and I, especially that the you know evil third eyed Doctor Strange at the end of um, Multiverse of Madness would have been the same one from this. But the fact that like Kevin Feige, you know, saw this episode and you know he wanted everyone working on Multiverse of Madness to kind of get into that mentality of what Strange had been through when he lost. Um, what's her face? God, what's what's? Oh, her name is escaping me too now. Um, oh my goodness, she's like the star, like one of the stars of freaking. Oh my goodness. Wow, we are traveling through a multiverse right now, and we just forgot it. It Christine, is Christine. Christine. So sorry. Wow. So um, <laughs> you know, and that was you know played into the you know the plot of Multiverse of Madness a little bit of how he had to give up her. But I, you know, it makes me wonder too. Like we talked about last week, how he did not include What If on his Phase Four lineup, mm. and that makes us question. Like we knew it's you know part of the multiverse, but I mean it's directly tied in. It's all these What If scenarios, and. I'm hopeful that if he's that, you know, like attuned to this one specific episode and like is such a fan of it that hopefully we'll see that, you know, connection crossover at some point down the line. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this would be good homework that everyone working on Doctor Strange movie knows of other variants if you're including three or four variants in your movie, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's that that plays into it, I think. Also, because it really, a huge theme of the Multiverse of Madness was about strange in his heart and his character and who he is and how he meets the other possibilities of him and so i think this episode really while the movie explores that in like a two-hour time frame this does it in a very condensed version so i think um it really was to just reiterate that theme for them yeah it makes me want to go back and rewatch that one too now like it's a prequel almost to um multiverse madness a little bit that is a good point very good episode and i wonder if we're gonna get I wonder, because he's still sticking around from what we saw at the end of season one. He's protecting that little bubble of, mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, I'm hoping, that's what I'm curious. Like, I know we haven't seen anything from um, season two yet, and that's coming out in spring of 2023. So that'll be here before we know it too in a couple months. But I'm hoping as we get closer to, you know, the end of the year, we'll see some trailers, see some ideas of where the story's going to go. I mean, I'm assuming most of them will be standalone, but of course, culminate in something at the end of the season again. That does make a lot of sense. So we won't have to be waiting too much longer um, until we get our first look at that. I wouldn't even be surprised if um, on uh, Disney Plus Day we get a teaser, just a slight maybe 15, 20 second teaser there. Um, It'd be really cool if maybe they give us another one of those 10 minute videos on Disney Plus as well. Uh, Speaking of future characters, uh, looking ahead to Secret Evasion, uh, it appears that possibly we might be having a first look at what Amelia Clark's character is going to be. Insider Daniel Rickman revealed on his Patreon account that Amelia Clark will play a well-known scroll from the Marvel Comics named Gia. It's my best attempt at pronouncing that. In Secret Evasion, while Gia initially helped the Skrulls with their invasion of other planets, she would eventually switch sides after seeing the pure brutality that her people were willing to use in order to accomplish their goals. This could play out in a similar fashion for the MCU as well, with Amelia Clark's version of the character gravitating towards Nick Fury and Talos as things get more intense during the events of Earth. Steven... You very much like myself, a big fan of Game of Thrones, uh, and also Solo. We know what Amelia Clark can do. What are your thoughts about the possibility of this character uh, for her? And do you think it could be more than just Secret Evasion? Yeah, I really hope so. I feel like, you know, if you're going to introduce her here, it shouldn't be just for the, you know, six to ten episodes, whatever it is. But, um, you know, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones for a minute. Um, 
I, from what you described there, I mean, it sounds like the opposite of what Daenerys went through. Like we spent yeah. seven seasons with Daenerys being a hero that we really stood behind. And then um, she had a quick turn at the end there. And this makes me wonder if she's going to start off being a villain. That'd be kind of a cool redemption story over mm. the course of the season to then hopefully set up maybe more of her story down the road. But I definitely am excited to see her. I think she's a great actress and, um, you know, kind of remarkable too, just a little bit like outside of her acting, like she had some really big, like, health issues during game of thrones you remember like she had yeah i think um brain tumors that she was dealing with and yep. we didn't know that till after the fact and um I'm, I'm very fortunate she's you know alive and well but i'm excited to see her join this universe too yeah she's become one of my favorite actresses especially just through game of thrones and then seeing her through some of her other projects including solo um i i, I loved her performance like she's like obviously like the yas queen in uh, in game of thrones um I'm one of the few defenders of her storyline. I think they did it pretty well. I think it was a slow I'll build. I'll join you in that. Oh, yeah, th thank I'm, you. <laughs> I, I still love the whole series. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I was very much in the minority when people were saying that, like, this quick turn out of nowhere didn't make any sense. I feel like they showed us that in literally season three. Heck, even as season one. They um, teased it the whole time. Yes. Yeah, it, it's there. She's she's. As much as she's doing right things, it's it's not how she's it's how she's doing it. Um, yes, we're all I was just as much as everyone else saying yes, Queen, but if we look back the layers, they were always there. She is a Targaryen. The coin flipped one way. Mm -hmm. But we're not a Game of Thrones podcast, as much as I would love to talk about it, because literally this weekend we're getting more um specifically Targaryens. Um, I do think that it's gonna be really cool to see a possible reverse of this character of you know, Daenerys uh being one of her most prominent roles. Um, I just, I want her because of the fact that she is such a huge actress and that she is such a good actress. I really hope, and I believe that Kevin Feige and the team at Marvel know that they should use her for more than one project. And I hope she doesn't have to be around for like the end of the M MCU, but it through, I hope through the rest of this saga, maybe not all the way until the end, but for a good portion, because you're not just casting Amelia Clark for a one and done role. Like it's even the same thing with Olivia Coleman. Now I think the exception with Olivia Coleman is that she's just a very, very busy actress. So I could see maybe Olivia Coleman being a one and done, but I hope at the very least we get lots of Amelia Clark's character. Yeah. Keep her coming. I mean, with what we're building up to with Kang dynasty's secret invade, um, secret wars, I definitely want to see this continue on for sure. I agree. It is crazy, though, that I just kind of realized we're getting quite a bit of uh, British talent in this series. So that's kind of cool as well, um, mm. which is fantastic. Uh, finally, ending up, we're going to be talking a little bit of Sony. Sony's been a little bit quiet as of recently. Hopefully that means that they're uh, doing their homework, listening to Feige and uh, crafting some good movies for us. You know, I mean, I know Morbius was such a great hit of the year. Top five for everyone. Uh, but we're going to be talking about Madam Web, um, apparently, and I will, you know, while this is speculation, I will say that this is borderline, like, a big rumor, and if you don't want to hear it, fast forward maybe five to seven minutes, because uh, I know that some people might not want to know this if it is true, so this is your warning, just skip ahead a good bit. Uh, apparently, Sony is reportedly in Madam Web is including baby Peter Parker in the spinoff movie. Speculation has pointed, this comes from the Cosmic Circus, speculation has pointed in the direction that Madam Web will assemble a team of spider Woman for a mission. 
well, first, that's first time to sign me up. Thanks to Lizzie Hill's report linked above. Uh, we know that these heroes will be Cassandra Webb, Julia Carpenter, uh, and Anya Corazon, uh, Maddie Franklin, Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney, Isabel Merced, and Celeste O'Connor will portray these roles respect respectively. Uh, additionally, Emma Rummers, who may have been speculated to be portraying Jessica Drew, is in fact Mary Parker, Peter Parker's mother. Uh, and lastly, Adam Scott has been also confirmed to be portraying Peter's uncle Ben in the upcoming film. With the question of who is playing, who is finally answered, we can now focus on the next big question. Like most in, I'm. The article goes on to say that they're inclined to believe that the film will delve into multiverse shenanigans or at the very least time travel and that they predict the antagonist of the film, whoever it is, will target Ben and Mary uh, for one sole reason to prevent Spider-Man from ever existing in the first place. And so that's where they're thinking that this is going. Uh, Steven, like we had talked before getting on the recording, multiverse is the hot topic. Um, but this, if all things are to be believed and this is the general direction, just a general plot, I think if done well, Sony might be onto something here. Thank God. What are you thinking? Oh, I love this. I, I think this has me so excited. Like, I, I hate to say, like on par with a uh, you know Marvel Studios production, but it almost does because this is the way you do. It. Like, first of all, again, I, these are characters I don't know a lot about: Cassandra Webb, Julie Carpenter, Maddie Franklin, Anya Corazon. But that's four female-led heroes yep. that are Spider Women, most of them. So, like. That's the way you do it. Like, instead of giving each of them a project, a Sony movie, which is the kind of like their old way of doing things like Morbius and Craven. Okay. If doing this movie that introduces all of them, and if all four of them click, you can do all kinds of spinoffs and do whatever you want. You know what I mean? But by bringing in these four characters and with their mission, like this sounds like the Terminator, like on superheroes. You know what I mean? With the Terminator going back to kill John Connor. This is, you have four spider women from across the spider verse trying to save a pregnant Mary Parker that has Peter in there. And again, Ben Parker playing the role too. Um, I really am interested to like, if they reveal like this is either, you know, Toby, Andrew, Tom, like this would be cool if it tied in. Like if they had a cameo of um, Maria uh, Tomei playing Aunt May in one scene, you know what I mean? That would be cool. But I don't know. I don't know if they, if Kevin Feige, he might let him, if the, if the screenplay is good enough, he might connect it. But I love like, you know, a live action Spider-Verse film right here that is going to be about saving Spider-Man before he's born. This is awesome. What do you think about it? Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. It could be its own story, its own universe. It could be a prequel for any of the three. You know, like there's a um, there's a lot of possibilities. You can have a lot of fun with it. And uh, I'm just excited because it just seems fresh. It seems like there's a lot of intention with the story and that they're they're really trying to do something special here um the cast is incredible like heck emma roberts one of my favorite actresses like she is amazing and so many of the stuff that i've seen her in especially all the horror um that she does and i'm just i just i'm very excited for some reason i was already getting pretty excited vibes for it um just based off the title madam webb really not knowing much about the character really anything uh for some reason i was just kind of like yeah this is gonna be pretty cool um and now seeing this if this is just the tip of the iceberg of what we could be getting i am very excited for the potential of all of this um and i do think that this is gonna have uh feige's fingerprints over it i think um kind of like how this could be a similar feeling to when we kind of got that small little A-Force tease in Endgame. I think this is going to be the good first dish before we actually get an A-Force project. 
for sure. And I know this is coming out next October. So, I mean, it'll be here within just a little over a year from now, not too far away. But it makes me too kind of in my head think, you know, maybe two or three years down the line, depending on how well this does, which I expect it will be. Like, if you're bringing in all these side characters to the Spider-Verse, like whether they're connected to any of the three Spider-Men or they're their own thing, that's fine. But like, it makes me hopeful that one day we could get a Spider-Man culmination team up film on par with like Infinity War Endgame, getting all these Spider-Men and all these Spider-Women together hmm. and all these villains that Sony's setting up. Like it makes me hopeful that they're building to something and I don't know what their end game is, but if they're smart, like they're doing a really good job in at least from this of introducing a lot of side characters to like build up both sides of the hero versus villain team that I want to see so bad in like a live action Spider-Verse movie. Like they've already did one of the best movies ever with the into the Spider-Verse film. And I have no doubt that two sequels are going to be just as good, if not better. So if you can do it animated, then also do it live action. Oh, this is setting up some really fun stuff down the road. I think that's also the big difference here. And it it just kind of hit me when you said that, when you said setting up both sides, I think that's kind of like, and I, and I, and I give Sony some credit for taking chances here, but all of the projects that we've gotten and are announced are about anti-heroes slash villains slash douchey heroes. So they're not really the good guys that you would normally root for, uh, per se. But in this case, it's almost like, and I, I'm not familiar with all these characters, so maybe some of them are, you know, not necessarily 100% good. But the vibes I'm picking up here at the very least are giving me the vibes that this is like a hero-driven film. And so if that's the case, I'm kind of very excited because besides like the Spider-Man movie, we haven't been getting that from Sony as of recently. Yeah. When do you think we'll, I mean, if this is an October release, when are we going to start to see trailers or like more updates on plot to be released? I mean, could we get a trailer? I think January is Craven the Hunter. Could we get a trailer then? Or is that way too early? They're they're filming now. We could probably get a teaser, a one minute teaser. And then, did they push back? I'm trying to remember. Um, through the Spider Verse, across the Spider Verse. When's the next one? Is that that's it was supposed to be this year, but now next summer. I think it's in the summer. So that would be again the time that you really do a trailer. Or it might be March. It's it's sometime next year. It's sometime between March and like June, I think. Okay. I could see that. That would make the most sense, I think, to be honest. Uh, because it's a Spider-Man film, and if it's another multiverse-type story, like, that's quite the good pairing. I, I could actually also see, um, I think they did it with, I forget what projects, but I could see them with one of the quote-unquote post-credit scene. I could see them showing five minutes of it Ooh, to really cool. get to really get people in. Yeah, or even in Craven, introduce one of these Spider-Women or something. Like, that'd be cool. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, because, like, it feels like Sony's messy and all over the place, but they do now. It seems like if rumors are to be believed that Kevin Feige is going to be kind of like um, trying to organize the chaos a little bit, but you know that they're trying to do something, even though it's chaotic, the, the vulture stuff does not make sense. Like there's a lot of things that just, it, it doesn't feel good, but you know, they're at least trying. So like, while maybe the execution hasn't been the best, at least they're trying at least they're not just canceling movies before they're done, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't oh, know. <laughs> and I know our audience can't see us, but I love that you're wearing a Let There Be Carnage shirt. Like, that's yes. very appropriate for our conversation today. Yes. Um, that movie, I adore that movie more than I should. That movie, mm. 
it really has stuck with me through time. <laughs> yeah, oh. I really like I'm and I'm completely fine that the Spider-Verse, whatever number it is, whatever is not mm-hmm. part of 616, but as we've seen, it is directly interconnected. Like oh yeah. When you watch the you know, multiverse you, when you watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have to include these films because yeah, they do have ramifications as we're seeing but they come into and out of the 616 universe. We will see a handful of these characters throughout these films that we've seen so far, and we'll see we'll see a handful of them in um, at the end of this saga. I hope so because you know you're saying that pretty confidently. I have to worry a little bit because um, I know we didn't put it as a news story, but we're going to talk about She-Hulk episode one in a minute. But before we do, there was a news story I read this week, and I'm sure you did too, where um, the writers of She-Hulk wanted to include characters from the spider-man comics and they were told by whoever foggy i don't know that all the characters that are associated with you know peter parker spider-man are off limits and i don't know how much of a connection she hawk has to that but if you want to include a bunch of cameos and connections but you can't even mention anything related to spider-man that's a little disappointing i'm again i want to live in a world where you know marvel can include any characters they want in their properties and they're so close too um I think it really comes down to in that point, it's because it's a show and Sony's not going to make money off of it versus when you get to like these big tentpole adventure end of the saga films, they're going to make money. So, of course, Sony's like, yeah, play with our toys. You're going to get us money. So I or think that's what it comes down to. a deal down. where, you know, maybe Feige and uh, Pascal are making a deal as we speak where. Maybe you can make another Spider-Man trilogy, but you have to include cameos of our characters in your secret. Like now it's been announced, your secret wars. You know what I mean? You know what? I heard a crazy theory. I don't. I don't know. Was it? It might have been you about the whole crazy. Like, what if Sony sold? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I saw something on Twitter. It was someone calling out saying like, Sony should buy DC from Warner Brothers to actually, you know, build up a, you know, universe from scratch. And to pay for it, they should sell Sony or Spider-Man to Marvel. And I'm like, yes, make it happen. Let Sony do their DC stuff. Let Marvel have complete control over Spider-Man. I I can't picture a world where Sony sells Spider-Man unless they are in desperate need of money. Not it. Not after seeing what No Way Home did during a freaking pandemic. If that movie Mm -hmm. made that movie made a billion dollars in the pandemic, but I mean, like, just comparing. Just comparing the three Spider-Man movies, not counting his crossover appearances, to what Spider-Man was doing before, like with Amazing Spider-Man, like box office wise, like they would be foolish to not continue this, you know, letting like they're literally printing money. Yep. And all they have to do, like they don't really I mean, it's foggy. It's running like they're making the scripts. They're doing yep. the. I don't know why. I think with I think with Feige's involvement, I think we can at least be assured that at least the deal is going to continue if. If there isn't a deal, there is going to be a deal that will continue through um, the end of the saga. And I just hope that if there isn't a deal, that they're in the midst of negotiating Disney Plus. Because that's the thing that you have to take into fact is that before before an endgame, there wasn't the TV shows. The TV shows weren't play. So that wasn't part of the contract. And so now you got to rework that in. Um, taking the fact that, you know, Tom is probably wanting a break and is getting a break much, much, much deserved. Um I, I do think that that plays into it is I think because I think I do think for sure we know 100 percent of shout shadow of doubt publicly that he is set to do one more film per mm-hmm. the previous contract. That does not mean that there's already been a contract signed and such, but 
at this point we know at least one more film and i know at one point it was rumored with sony um that they were doing a silk tv show silk is um i think she's a spider woman type character that's um asian american i think right and um but i think that that original deal was with amazon and i haven't heard anything about it in like two years so i don't know if it's dead or what it's happening but like i wonder if there's any way that they could make an arrangement with disney plus to make Mm. that instead but then how do you get profits to Sony unless Disney buys that character almost? I don't know how that would work. There would have to be some sort of like licensing and royalties and such. There'd be, they'd have to get some sort of percentage or cut or something. I don't know how that would work. That's luckily there's people who get paid way more than you and I to figure that all out. But I just hope creatively that it does happen. We know that Miles Morales has the, you know, animated side on Sony, but do we know for sure does Sony or Disney have live action rights to that character i think sony does okay but if they did why wouldn't they be making a live action movie on there unless they don't because like i think they're i think because if they have had so much success with the animation they don't want to take away from it okay because that would be really cool to see like a miles morales tv show on disney plus but if disney had rights that they could start to slowly build up and have peter mentoring i don't know I, Miles is coming. I think we're going to get live action Miles before um, Secret Wars. Okay. That's my prediction. That's my hot take of the night. Could they do it like from, like, I know he was in the Ultimate Universe in the comics, then came into 616. Could they do something like that where maybe we see him in Kang Dynasty from a different universe and he eventually, when they merge universes? I mean, if this Secret Wars is like we know from the comics, we're going to see all these universes collide, like the incursions. Yeah. So what happens to Sony movies after Secret Wars? Ain't that the question? I guess we'll uh, have to find out and have a great discussion in 2025. Okay. 2026. It's gonna be wild. That's gonna be that. That'd be weird. Episode whatever. Um, well, we do have a new show in the present to talk about. Uh, she Hulk smashed onto Disney Plus this morning. Um, episode one: A Normal Amount of Rage, about 38 minutes total length, including credits. Uh, came on. It was full of green, full of comedy, full of origin, full of sexiness. Steve, what was your thoughts on uh, probably one of the most unique takes of a show that we've got so far through the MCU? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And, you know, going into it, maybe I should have avoided. I like, you know, the reviews that came out this week, you know, had talked about people seeing the first four episodes because mm-hmm. we know that they're a little bit shorter and they put out four, like almost like a two hour movie or whatever. Yeah. And, a lot of the reviews were saying that the episodes are good, but the first one is, you know, the exposition, the, the the less funny one. And so I knew that going into it, I still laughed at a few moments. I loved that we did get to see her backstory instead of waiting till like later in the season for a flashback episode. I like that because now I feel like we can hit the ground running next week. We already know who she is. We know how she's different than her cousin. And I, re- I fell in love with her. I really did. I feel like that character is already someone I I'm interested in seeing more of. And I can't wait to see how, you know, just a different vibe. Like breaking the fourth wall is a unique concept, but especially in this universe. And I don't know, it had some great humor. I'm excited for next week because I feel like we'll get more of into the different cases and into um, more of these vast variety of characters. What did you think? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. There was quite a bit of comedy that I was laughing at. Uh, maybe not as much as I, I was expecting for this first episode. Um, I do think the episode was maybe a tad underwhelming, but I think 
I, I still enjoyed it. Like, it was not a bad premiere. It was not a bad episode. I enjoyed the origin. Um, there was quite a bit of poking fun at the Marvel Universe in general. There was quite a bit of just, like, the family dynamic between the two. Um, overall, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty good. It was a good story. I really got, felt connected, and I think the big thing that this solidified is that uh, she is our She Hulk, um, and she is going to be a prominent character of this saga, and she is going to be huge moving forward uh, for the next five years and beyond. Yeah, this show so far in one thirty-five minute episode has given me like what I've always wanted was like those little connections, like. The fact that, like, just breaking a few things down, we we um, now know, kind of adding context to Shang-Chi's post-credit, like, how Bruce Banner was Bruce Banner instead of Smart Hulk. We now know um, how his arm was able to be healed, because, like, a lot of people thought those were flashbacks before the blip in um, the trailers when we saw him without his, you know, cast on. We got some, you know, connections to Ragnarok. We got to find out a good about what um tony stark was doing during you know the blip period the five years so we got a lot of like context in a short amount of time and just like this is how we would be if this was a real life if we lived in 616 like we would be talking about the superheroes and what they did and didn't do like we'd be gossiping about them they're celebrities they're big so i i don't know i feel like i that's what i like is these little connections like because now when i watch shang chi again i'll have a better understanding like that's a question i've had for a while and so it's not a big deal, but it's like these little things, these little details give us a chance to get to know them. And I hate to say it, we we got so much time with Bruce Banner, you know, Smart Hulk, maybe even more screen time than he's had in some of the films because like, think about it, this was an episode with him training his cousin. It was really cool to get to dive more into his psyche and how he's changed since we first met him. Yeah, I also thought that we were going to be getting more... I, I also thought we were going to get more Breaking the Fourth Wall, but I liked how it was kind of like you... It felt sparingly. Like, it did not feel like it was overdone, and it was done pretty tastefully. Um, I also like how it kind of sets up some stories, I think, that people were talking about online. And, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors about a possible Hulk standalone film, possibly being World War Hulk. I know some people were like, ah, they kind of did that in Ragnarok. They're not going to do that. But I don't know. I think they were dropping some things, talking about the ship and such. Um that it could lead into some uh, future stories for Mark Ruffalo's Hulk uh, specifically. So I think that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but I'm, I'm excited that like by the end of this episode, we've seen how she's kind of accepting that she's she Hulk and she's also going to be her lawyer. But I think by the end of this, we're going to see her could choose to be a hero and to really focus on that. I am wondering how much more we're going to see Mark Ruffalo in the series. I feel like he had such a big episode here and I don't think there's anything else in the trailer from outside of this episode with him. So it does make me wonder, like he'll show up at least one more time, probably like the finale, even if it's in a smaller role, I don't want him to show up and I, it would be kind of cool to see the two of them taking on whoever the big bad is, but then that almost takes away from her getting her moment to shine. I want him to almost come in later after the fact she's defeated him, but I don't, I don't expect to see a whole lot more of him. I could be wrong. But I feel like he's going to be dealing with some stuff or maybe like they'll be teasing more of, yeah, setting up whether it's a movie or a miniseries. Um, in regards to the fourth wall breaking, yeah, I think we'll see a little bit of each episode. I don't think they want to overdo it. I saw a random person on Twitter. I'm sorry I don't have their name or their handle to give them credit. But they said, um, I wonder if 
the per like you know how Bruce Banner kept saying like there were two people in his head and he he couldn't figure out why. What if the person on Twitter said, "What if we, the audience, are the person in our head?" So like we're the other version, and I don't know how that you know it's messing with my head like Inception style here. But <laughs> that's interesting that because obviously like it's not like in her head she's talking to us like she was literally talking because Bruce yep. heard her. Yep. So. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we'll get an answer on that. I don't think. I think she is just herself in there. But yeah, it's kind of a cool concept. Yeah, it's it, um, it's it's interesting. I I also just like the show. Just really was just fun. It just it wasn't. It had some serious moments, but for the most part, it just took us on a ride, and we just it was very colorful, very bright, and just overall good times. I also like how it's a little mature too. Like it's not like it, it's it, it's not like Daredevil mature, but it's like. You know, they kind of dance along the line with, like, adult humor and such. Like, it's like one of those things where you know that, like, families are going to watch this and there's going to be things that go over kids' heads. It's very much that type of humor. Yeah, there were some conversations, and then we'll talk about that, like, if you're not fully into and listening to or watching with closed captions, you're going to miss some things maybe. But, yeah, <laughs> like, um, did you – let's talk about, like, CGI. Like, when the first trailer came out, you know, that was a big discussion. I honestly – I mean, obviously – like I never, if I went back to, you know, when we first saw Avengers, cause like there was talks like, Oh, is the Hulk going to show up on agents of shield? Is Iron Man going to show up? Mm. And everyone's like, it's an ABC show. They don't have the budget to bring on the Hulk. Do you know how much that is? And so <laughs> this was what 2012 Steve was wondering, like, are we going to see the Hulk? And now that we're actually seeing him like on a television show, I know it's Disney plus they got all the money in the world to back into it, but he looked fantastic because again, you have those, graphics saved from Endgame that still look really good and you can update them and everything i thought um she hulk i thought jen looked really good too like i i mean i, I don't have any gripes it didn't take me out of the story did it ever take you out her look no i mean i really wasn't even seeing too much in the trailer either it was more you know i kind of a little bit but like during the whole episode was not at all I will say there was one effect that definitely I thought was jarring and like I noticed I was like oh this doesn't look good. It was towards the end whenever Titania breaks through and she does like that jump and that launch where it's like the feet first. Like it felt very much like she was attached to Strange which obviously she was or whatever. But it it, it was very like I to the point where like if I can notice it and I can like it makes me go oh that's where I'm like mm but in, in, everything else was fine. That was, like, just the one moment where I was just like, ooh, that looks off. Ooh, that this is not quite right. But overall, yeah. I think it was pretty well. Yeah, that was noticeable. The rest of it, like, like obviously, just from what we've seen. Did you watch that ILM documentary? Not all of it yet, no. Okay. But, like, after watching that and, like, after what we know about how um, Star Wars uses the volume, like, you know, I'm sitting there watching. Like, just in my head, it's not taking me out of the story, but I do think more about it. I think just... Cause I know it happens. Like they're not actually filming on a beach. They're not actually on yeah. an Island in Mexico or whatever. Like those palm trees are fake that are getting destroyed. Like in my head, I'm aware of that just because of someone that follows like making a film. Yeah. But I bet there's a lot of people that were blown away that they actually filmed that they're thinking it was there, which is good. Cause it looks so good for the most part. Oh yeah. For the most part, I'm not thinking about it. You know, if I really was like looking hard, I think it's, it's pretty, it's, it's actually pretty noticeable. Like as much as it is believable and you, you, you can, the escapism there is there if you really try hard you can you can tell but i think that's why also like andor does look so good because of the fact that it's so practical but i think for she hulk it works and they're doing a good job so far do you like that the um 
legacy of Tony Stark is still, you know, on everyone's hearts and minds. Like, especially Bruce really seemed really emotional because they, they were the science bros. You know, they were close. And the fact that he has memories here of, you know, Tony, yeah. he mentioned him a couple times and even had their initials etched in the, yeah. the, the table there. Like, do you think that's good that we're still like, keeping his legacy alive, even though the character's been dead for a couple years now? Oh, it's so important because of the fact of how huge and important that character is, not only uh, to the audience and the viewers, but also to the characters that are still alive in this. And uh, Tony was is was one of the main characters, um, if not the main character, you know, and was the face. And so it really does make sense that it continue he, his impact and the legacy is going to continue. And it's not going to go anywhere. You know, we're going to see it mentioned and touched in uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever when we get first introduced to Ironheart. It's going to then continue into the show of Ironheart. Um, it's even going to continue into Armor Wars. You know, what happens if his technology gets in the wrong hand? So, you know, Tony is gone, but his legacy and the memories are still going to be remembered. For sure. At the end of the episode, whenever um, she was giving her closing arguments and the camera panned across the defense side because she would have been on prosecution um i was expecting to see a cameo there because like you know building up this whole like cameos of galore i feel like there weren't a ton of cameos this episode and there were really none that we stood out as cameos because we knew um bruce banner was going to be in the probably the first episode but um we didn't see anyone per se now who do you think the company is that's being sued because i've got some theories who do you think yeah, there's a, quite a few possibilities here that they can go. Um, you probably have best better theories than me because I really I didn't even think about it to be honest. So what are well, your what are your thoughts? Based on so about hmm, five ten minutes in the episode, whenever she hulked out and ended up at that bar, okay. Did you notice anything as she's walking up to the bar of what gas station was there right beside the bar? You know, I definitely noticed, but I'm not recalling it right now. So it was Roxxon, which hasn't really, which is a huge in the comics that was in Iron Man 3 as yes. the Roxxon oil. Okay. Um, I have a feeling that Roxxon is going to play a big role in this because it was also in Loki. Do you remember that one? They went yep. to like Walmart. Okay. So like Roxxon's been secretly playing their cards in the background. I think it's time for them to finally show themselves. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's who like, you know, whether because they released chemicals into the environment or whatever titania got her powers that way and like that's why she's breaking into this courtroom at a specific time maybe i think that we're gonna find more out but yeah i was hoping to see someone we knew but i just from seeing rocks on earlier in the episode like that was already on my high alert for me so i was waiting for to see something but that's just my theory it'd be interesting i mean it's also interesting because i don't know if you know uh I, I don't know much about titania but i know um a little bit through watching some youtube videos that she uh has a huge origin and ties to doom so that could play in maybe um there's been rumors about one fantastic four member possibly showing up so i definitely think that there's a lot of connections here and there's gonna be a lot of possibilities um it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out and what it leads to and what ends up being the overarching story while i do think each week is gonna be mostly like the case of the week i do think we're gonna have an overarching story and it's gonna lead to something we do know that daredevil pops up at some point and assumingly Matt Murdock will be in a courtroom at some point. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. And I hope it's more than just a cameo, but um, I, I, I don't know this either. Um, we know that Matt's from Hell's Kitchen, New York. We know that Jessica's in Los Angeles or yep. California somewhere. 
how often do lawyers, I mean, I guess for big cases, they would travel across country, but it makes me wonder like what's causing Matt Murdoch to head there unless she goes to New York for something else. I don't know. I'm sure for big cases, they could travel across, but I feel like usually they're in their area. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities with that. We'll have to see how that all connects and ties together. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, I'm not sure what would be the connecting piece, but I'm sure we'll find out here episode three or four, I think. And from what the early reviewers are saying, that is the first four episodes all have a post-credit scene. So can we talk about this one? Because it was <laughs> fun and also gave us some lore to a certain character. That's not Tony Stark. Yes, that, uh, that's that's America's butt. <laughs> they set it up earlier in the episode, right before the car crash, you know, that Jessica, like, again, we would talk about celebrities, is very fixated on the, you know, long-running, you know, gag rumor that um, Steve Rogers was a virgin and um, never got to finish that conversation until they're drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking at the bar in the post credit scene. And, of course, um, Smart Hulk has to reveal that uh, Steve did sleep with someone on that tour that he did with, you know, um, dun, 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 dun. Um, and so then she shouted, what, Captain America, and then started saying the yep. F word and it got cut off just like um, Aunt May did in um, the first Homecoming movie. Yeah. So that was, that had me laughing because like that's been a, like a long running, you know, joke, like yeah. how did he ever have time? And it, it actually is, you know, again, like you said, that more adult humor that for Younger audiences won't even kind of hopefully understand what's going on. But for adults, like that is something that's, again, something we would talk about if it was real life, too. Yeah, I definitely I laughed a lot. I was just like, this is so random, but it's also like so in character. Um, and I do. I love that gag, the cutoff gag. I don't know. It's kind of like Marvel is like teasing us. And I do think that in many ways, She-Hulk is a way for us to uh, get prepped and uh, get the Marvel Cinematic Universe people who haven't aren't familiar maybe with some of the Fox properties like Deadpool, uh, maybe a way for them to get kind of introduced to maybe the edgier side of Deadpool. You know, we got the break in the fourth wall and we got um, the almost cussing and um, you know, Deadpool is not just saying crap and such. Um, so um, I overall I thought it was fun. And I think if they're going to continue in that vein, but I think what's, what could be very interesting is that, you know, if we do get a post credit scene every single episode, cause I think, if we're getting it for the Force 4, I think it's very likely we're going to get it for a majority of the remaining, uh, if not all of them. I think it could be a big surprise when if we get, like, eight of them, and they're all kind of jokey scenes, and then the ninth one is, like, a super, like, like big plot reveal type thing and just completely shock us. Yeah, I feel like some of them will be, like, joking. Some of them will be hit or miss, like, to big moments. I think we'll be, well, I think we'll get a mixture of them. I really do. I think... You could even, you know, introduce maybe Daredevil in one episode and then in the post credit scene, and then he could be the main, you know, story of the week, the next one. That'd be kind of cool. Definitely. Were you disappointed we didn't get two episodes or were you fine with just having a short 37 minutes today? I'm fine because I like it being drawn out week to week. Yeah, because isn't it's going to run till October, all through September until middle of October. Yes, it goes all the way. Yeah, because I was planning my reactions and yeah, it goes into October. Which is going to be great because then we'll have, you know, Halloween special. It hasn't been announced yet. We will still have Guardian or Black Panther November, Guardians December. Like we've got something each month from now till. Yep. And then we got Craven January. We've got Ant Man February. Like it's it's a nonstop train. We do not have a lot of time off. We are busy. Because like <laughs> by the time we do our 
you know, Black Panther speculation, non-spoiler, <laughs> spoiler filled, like then it'll be time for Guardians. We'll do the same thing all over again. We'll take maybe a little, maybe we'll take a week off for Christmas. We <laughs> earned that. Mar- Marvel keeps us busy. It's a podcast security. It has been. Oh yeah. But that, again, it was a good episode and I'm looking forward. Hopefully next week's it will be even a little bit better. Yeah. I think it definitely has only the potential to go up and overall it's a great start and I can't wait to see what happens. Any other final thoughts? Nope. I, yeah. Great start. Um, I think it's going to go, it has a different feel for it, but um, I talked to a couple of people that really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping that is the general consensus going forward. Definitely. And also just, I think we talk about this quite a bit when this conversation comes up, but you know, if, if you were kind of like on the fence of watching it and you're not sure, like give it a shot. Don't, don't judge it before you actually can see it. Um, Cause I think a lot of times we can be quick to judge before actually seeing it. I think a lot of times they can surprise us. Any other final thoughts on the, on this uh, podcast episode as a whole, Steven? No, I mean, I'm glad we got to get back on the mic and kind of a new routine. Hopefully we'll figure out, make sure this works as we go forward. But um, what else are you working on your channel? Cause I know you've got some cool stuff coming up the pipeline. Yes. Working on getting those reactions out more and more for y'all. Um, lots of great content, uh, doing lost, which has finished season three, doing walking dead, breaking bad, all the good classics. You know, there's lots of great shows out right now, but there's lots of shows in the past that I've not seen. Yeah. You've got some of my favorites on your list and I always look forward to seeing your, your videos come up and some of your reactions to my favorite scenes. So that's always fun. Yes, it has been quite a journey. Um, And that does wrap up this episode of Marvel Cast, episode 39. We hope you enjoy diving into the world of Marvel with us. Uh, We want fans to interact with the podcast, so we can't wait to hear your feedback and questions. Uh, Email us at marvelcastpod at gmail.com, and we'll feature your question and the topic as well. Please subscribe to 1138 Productions feed if you haven't already. Leave a review wherever you listen. It does help the podcast out a lot. Uh, For myself and Steve, have a marvelous week. And remember, I could do this all day.